Welcome back to the Connecting Minds podcast. Christian Jordanov here. Today I have Little Raven of the Barbarian Noetics podcast on. Uh, Raven, in the short space of time that I know him, he's already a dear brother of mine. He's such a beautiful human, such a beautiful soul. And um, this was, uh, we covered some fairly heavy topics on this podcast, but I just really appreciate his boundless positivity through adversity that he has faced in the past couple of years, you know, and I I really feel like it it just ex- this be- beautiful positivity exudes through this man and it's a great pleasure to to share with you the conversation we had with him. I was recently also on his podcast Barbarian Noetics, so check out his podcast. Make sure you you check out and subscribe to that because it's um let's just say it's it's unique. You're you're definitely going. You're in for a pleasant surprise in terms of how well produced his podcast is, and and the the quality of the the topics uh, and the depth and the guests that he has on is is top notch, right? So uh, anyway, without further ado, this is Little Raven on the Connecting Minds podcast. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Connecting Minds podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I have the pleasure of interviewing Little Raven of the Barbarian Noetics podcast. Raven, how are you, buddy? I'm great today. I'm excited to be here, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, uh, man, I love your podcast. I love your work. And I'm excited to be here. Right back at you, bro. Uh, I love you. I love your vibe. You're just, like, I love just the the beauty of your soul resonates through your podcast. You know, I absolutely, uh, absolutely uh just love that energy you're putting out. So it's a, it's a great honor to have you on. Awesome. I appreciate you saying that, man. Likewise. Let's, uh, let's give the, the listeners a little bit of uh, your background, man. Who are you? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've been, I've been doing this. I've been in the podcasting game. I started my first podcast was back in 2018. So I've been in it for a little minute now. It's the time has flown by. And um, I feel like for so many people, uh, the the scandemic or the COVID project was really like the impetus that kind of um, got me fortified on my on my current path. It helped elucidate the direction I wanted to go with the podcast, and it really helped to motivate me. Um, so before that uh, happened, I was, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing, and I was just kind of uh, putting myself out there and interviewing, you know, like friends and family, and I was. So the Barbarian Noetics podcast is dedicated to the elevation of the human spirit. So that's like the overriding kind of motif behind the whole podcast. And so, but I didn't really have a lot of consistency and I, you know, I I was finding my way, you know, it's kind of that type of thing of if you're not sure exactly what to do, but you know, you have to do something, just start somewhere. And the, you know, not only the knowledge, but also the courage will kind of show up when you take that first step and you start moving forward. And I really did experience that, man. And as you know, the longer I've, I've uh, continued, it's like the more clear it has become. But the, the major motif is that I'm doing my part to elevate the human spirit. My parents used to always say to me, you know, you want to leave the world a better place than how you found it. And I took that to heart. And every episode I do 
you know, I really do pour my soul out into it. Um, I'm, I really want to connect on a heart level with listeners. And one of the beautiful things about audio, I call it the rabbit holes of space and time, because it's quite mystical in a way in that, you know, we're recording this right now. We're at the time and space where we are. Listeners are going to be hearing this down the road or whatever. You know, I don't even necessarily think the time is linear, but other times, other spaces, and it connects those times and spaces to people. So I think it's a very powerful medium. And the the name Barbarian Noetics, a lot of people ask about the name. Um, for folks who may not know, Noetics is actually a branch of philosophy. It's the study of the intellect. So it's kind of like it's the study of thought itself. And um, I, my dad was a philosopher at heart as well. And we always would have you know, conversations growing up about the mysteries of the universe. And I've always just been fascinated with the ineffable, the unknowable, that that's always really, that's what gets me excited. And so the podcast explores all sorts of topics that are like forbidden fruit topics or mysterious topics. Um, the moment that you say to me, like, don't look at this, I'm going to look at that thing. So you can imagine that the COVID project uh, <laughs> really inspired me to look in a bunch of like really dusky hallways. Um, but yeah, mm. and the barbarian aspect of the podcast, basically the barbarians are people who reject the state. They're people that want to live outside the purview of the state. Like back in the Roman Empire, the, you know, you were absorbed into the empire usually by force and then you had to pay tribute in the form you know you had to give a certain amount of what you grew or a certain amount of what you produced the tax man would come by and collect and that was kind of that's what you had to do that was your toll for existence basically it's like your exist your existence requires that you pay us this shit the barbarians refused that and you know they they were the ones on the outskirts. They were the ones outside the purview of the state. They refused to be degraded like that. And I think that that's a very beautiful idea. And it's, it's a powerful idea that is becoming ever more apropos as we, you know, as the state evolves through time. Now the state is kind of moving into this more transhuman agenda where it's going to be like to be a barbarian more and more is going to be a going to involve remaining human, holding fast to our humanity, what it is to be human. So that's another major theme of the podcast is exploring what it actually is to be a human being in all the aspects of that. Of course, they won't call those folks uh, barbarians. They'll be called uh, extremists or far, <laughs> far right extremists, stuff like that, right? Even worse, uh, according to Yuval Noah Harari, they'll be called useless eaters. Oh, bro, that guy, Jesus Christ. <laughs> There'll be uh, people that don't don't have a purpose, don't have a purpose in society. That's how he describes the barbarians of the future. So if that doesn't get you fired up. Like, dude, those people, like, are they beyond disgusting or what? I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, I. Uh, it's like a know thy enemy type thing. So I, you know, I don't love listening to that guy speak and I can't really make it through much. But I do peruse like when he. He's, he's kind of like the spiritual thought leader of the World Economic Forum. He's like, I feel like he's kind of like Klaus's familiar. It's like his voice oh, is like on yeah. Klaus's shoulder, like whispering in Klaus's ear, like rationalizing. Um, and he, he, he looks like kind of like ferret-like or rat-like too. Yeah, he's kind yeah, of, you know, yeah. he's very much he's like, like... a little demon, like a familiar. Look at this. See this? Yeah. 
so it's uh, just for the listeners. So this is Sapiens, a graphic history volume two, the pillars of civilization by Yuval Noah Harari. And it's, it's basically a graphic novel, right? So I was in a store here in Portugal and I, I was just like, I always like, I saw there was English books. So I was like, well, let me check out. I always love to like buy books and stuff. So I just went through this book and I'm like, are these graphic novels? Are they supposed to target like young kids, like teenagers? And then I was just like perused when I bought it just as like, um, you know how you would buy like a, like a World War II Nazi uniform uh, or something like that? Like it's like yeah. <laughs> just as, as an artifact of, of like the horrors of past times. So maybe like one day, um, you know, there's like a, a picture. I remember I was showing my wife, there's a picture like, uh, of a shopping mall and there's like a some guard standing there like very authoritative and i was like you know it's normalizing it's normalizing having like guards at every store being surveilled just like i, I bought it more of a like you said no you know thy enemy just to study the intricacies and the social engineering and the brainwashing of something like a, a like a book like this you know and i have to be honest I'm like, I don't even want to open it. I probably need to like smudge my hands now with some sage after touching it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, uh, I, kind of. I, I I was hoping to to keep today's episode uh, topics fairly light because we've been tackling some very heavy, fairly heavy topics on the podcast recently. So <laughs> let's just quickly change direction in another way. You got it. Did you have anything uh, particular you wanted to talk about? <laughs> okay, no, uh, it's it, it 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 was kind of like uh, if you had if you had taken if you had taken over with like a subject. No, bro, like I, I actually want to talk about. Um, I, I will t- we will talk about serious topics because like we're not we're not children, right? And I feel like anybody tuning in, you know, like the the maturity level of of our audience here and your audience should be at a fairly high level. So I want to talk about bro mental health now. Um, if you don't mind, like we can go as deep as you want or, or, or as not deep as you want, but, um, you know, like you've had some, some challenges in the past, let's say year or so. Um, and I, I'd love to, like, we've all had like this COVID period has been a very tough period. You know, we've all had these tough periods. I, I personally believe over the last two, two and a half years, I did go through um allow in terms of my my spirits I, I i believe i was in some mild sort of depression for some months um and uh there was some very challenging ta- times especially with my wife had some some uh you know issues uh you know as well we, we just had a kid and we were alone and um you know no, no not much help so Definitely, I think we all had some challenges. But um, what what are maybe let, let's let's if you, whatever you, you want to share, and then maybe we can talk about how how to actually rise above these things and how to get ourselves back on you know in sync with with the beautiful uh, wavelengths of the universe. Yeah, absolutely. I re- I love this topic, and uh, listeners of the Barbarian Noetics podcast know that I am very open about my journey with mental health. It's been a continuous theme throughout the entire podcast. And the reason for that is, in my mind, that mental health is the foundation of everything. So, you know, 
yes, there's there's the the physical health you have. However, I would argue that your mental health is inextricably bound with your physical health as well. And conversely, you can be the most healthy, you can be a completely fit professional athlete, you know, best shape of your life. But if you are struggling with the mental health aspect, all that athleticism and all the supplements in the world aren't going to do you much good because, again, it's like the foundation. It colors everything you see and, and everything you do. So I think the mental health topic is uh, it's an important one to talk about. And uh, another aspect is it's not talked about enough, in my humble opinion. Or I should say it's a lot of people talk about it, but they use a lot of words without really saying anything. And I think the key when when we talk about mental health is like, you almost have to take a breath and connect with yourself in order to like communicate what it is that you're actually experiencing because advertising in the modern world has debased language it's like cheapened the meaning of words and this is something that i'm constantly trying to like understand better i like to kind of um i do like absurdist skits for my podcast and i talk a lot about like I poke fun at like so marketing awesome. and like corporate culture. And They're stuff so like awesome, bro. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You need to like do a compilation video or several series of this because, bro, you could even sell it at CDs, you know, like or like you know relics, bro. They're too awesome. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, for for those who don't have a ton of time, if you, I always start off my episodes with a cold open, which is just like a absurdist skit. And it's, it's like, you know, first four or five minutes. So I always tell people who are really busy, just tune in for the first four or five minutes, download the show <laughs> and Sorry. listen to the skit. How long does one of these skits take you to, to, to create, write and do? It's uh, a long time is the, the short answer. It depends on, <laughs> it depends on kind of where I'm at, you know, like what kind of flow I'm in. Um, but it takes a full day usually to, um, and that, I, that's art. That is true fucking art bro thank you i appreciate you saying that man i do because as i we talked off mic a little bit sometimes it kind of feels like you're a voice in the wilderness in the podcast game and yeah. um you know you put so much time and energy and, and soul energy into something and i i appreciate you saying that man and i i actually am i've been planning for a long time to um make a compilation like series yes. of episodes i so can't wait that, for that shit <laughs> that is coming. But yeah, so um, back back to the mental health aspect. So because advertising in the corporate world has cheapened and debased language, there's all these words that get thrown around, such as ding, 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 mindfulness. So everyone and their uncle is always talking about mindfulness. Corporations are trying to use mindfulness to sell you products. The behavioral managers are trying to use mindfulness as a way to like, you know, uh, wriggle into your psyche and influence you. But it's like when you when you're not connected to the actual meaning of the word, the word doesn't no longer means anything. And that's really dangerous. And I think that actually leads to a lot of things like depression and anxiety, because we're like, you know, we use language as a way to navigate reality. It's like a very foundational uh, means of understanding like where we are and who we are and what we're doing. And when the meanings of these words get cheapened, when it's all, when, when people are utilizing these words but they have an angle and they're trying to use them to influence you to do something that's hard on the psyche. So I tell people like, have compassion for yourself. I like to say like, treat yourself as you would your best friend, you know, like your best friend comes to you and they're feeling down and out. I can't keep gonna... back myself. 
<laughs> you'd have to remove a few ribs and then, you know. <laughs> but yeah it's like why why is it that we are kinder oftentimes we're kinder to our best friends than we are to our own self and that again comes back to like understanding how important mental health is and it, in order for you to achieve anything so i've struggled with uh depression uh, and anxiety my entire life my earliest memories involve like mental health crises <laughs> like my earliest Jeez. memories are um involve me like crying as a really young kid just like crying and playing with like the light artificial lights in, in my childhood home like refracting off my tears and like making prisms and stuff like that like those oh. are some of my very earliest memories and um you know, a lot of people had challenging childhoods. I definitely had challenging child childhoods. I won't get into all the details of that, but I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to. Mm. But it's deeper than that. It also has to do, I believe, with that. And this is another central theme of the pod, of my podcast is we are our bodies are built to exist in harmony with and in intimacy with nature we were we evolved to hunt gather you know um gather around fires catch our own food explore and discover like which herbs around us are medicinal which ones are can expand our consciousness like everything is that's what we're actually built for and so as we navigate this modern world now where everything is uh so highly like there's like this layer between us and the natural world at every turn. And, you know, I always like to give the caveat that I'm not a Luddite. I appreciate technology. Technology allows us to do our work and it allows for a lot of amazing things. And it's going to have an important role moving forward. But I believe it was Khalil Gibran who said, like, beware the guest who enters the, beware the, the person who enters the home, a guest, and then soon becomes the master. And I see that very uh, that relates to the role of technology in our lives. And it actually does tie into mental health as well. Like how, how are we using technology for our own selves? You know, are we just scrolling endlessly and just using it as a means to like distract ourselves? Um, as a creator, there's a balance between the, the media that we consume and the media that we produce. So the media that I consume, I'm always asking myself, is this inspiring me, you know? And as you say, like, we're all adults and the audiences for both of our shows are um, aware of like what's happening in the world. So I'm not talking about like burying your head in the sand and only trying to consume media that quote unquote positively inspires you because yeah. I call that toxic positivity where <laughs> people like live that. in a world where, you know, we live in a world of duality. There's the light and the dark. And this is something that I'm just endlessly fascinated with, um, the, the interplay between light and dark. And that's, that's really what makes it, it's, it's what makes life worth living. And it's also like what we're confronted with. So it's like, but you can still be inspired, I believe, by dark subject matter. You know, it's like, it's about the, uh, the way in which you discuss it, the way in which you digest it. So anyway, I've struggled with uh, depression my entire life. Um, I've talked openly on the podcast that I did try to take my life a number of years ago. And there was um, some divine intervention, that's how I can describe it, that prevented me from doing so. It was, you know, uh, as if it was not my time or, you know, I had something that I needed to accomplish. And so <clears throat> that was like a major turning point for me. Um, another major turning point for me is when uh, I stopped drinking alcohol. So for me personally, 
uh, alcohol has been a very negative force. And I also like to give a caveat that I'm not trying to say that alcohol as a entity in and of itself is necessarily evil. You know, I have friends that are able to drink truly moderately and they react a certain kind of way to alcohol. But for me, uh, generational alcoholism, you know, I've got like Russian and German blood. It's just like, I'm like half alcohol already. So I, I never could figure out how to drink well. And so when those two things, when you start now combining depression with alcohol, then that's when things get really gnarly. Yeah. And the, um, you know, for me, I struggled with like blackouts where as I, as I learned more about them later, like I discovered that you're actually like your consciousness is being possessed during those times. Like you're, you're at such a low frequency that your, your higher self kind of like leaves the building and it leaves your, this amazing machinery that we have as human beings. It leaves that open for, in my opinion, like lower uh, frequency entities. And that's no way to live, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so it's, the process of overcoming it has been number one, being able to understand what is actually happening and being able to talk about it freely. And then secondly, it's been like actual practical techniques that I've used to maintain and to, you know, cause we all have ups and downs. So it's like, you can reach a state of mental equilibrium, but that, is probably not going to last forever. You're probably going to continue to have in the big Lebowski talks that he says strikes and gutters, you know, you're going to have those ups and downs. But for me, it's been uh, meditation has been the number one tool that I've used to pull myself out of my depression. And um, if you want, we can talk more about meditation or if you have another question about the mental health, I've been talking for a while. So <laughs> <sighs> yeah, bro, I, this is something for the past while when I, so my normal routine has been for quite a long time. I wake up in the morning and I would immediately start listening to a podcast or or something, someone, I'm, whatever subject matter I'm researching at the moment. And so I stopped doing that. And instead of listen, uh, look, touching my phone or being on my phone or listening to something, I just like I, I, I sit by my red light therapy lamp for at least 10, 20 minutes and just let the, the, the light, you know, hit my face. And I just think, and I've tried to like meditate, but, and I, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I just cannot figure out why I cannot build this meditation practice. Um, I feel like we, we, we talked about this before we started recording. You no, know, some of us, um, myself included, we have a fear of failure that's, been plaguing us in some way shape or form all our life but some of us also have a fear of success which probably for similar reasons um um uh, it, it 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 also rears its ugly head so i cannot figure out i know it would be beneficial um do what how, how how did you did you out of necessity build this meditation habit were you like drawn to it how did you sort of build it and, and what kind of and did you use any specific techniques that you could maybe share with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that it was out of necessity and it was the, uh, the depression that kind of drove me to look for solutions. Um, because again, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I, uh, I'm here for a purpose. What the hell is it? And why am I, you know, when I was depressed, like, why am I so just like 
not, I, I'm not feeling this. <laughs> and um, so I discovered yoga. That was one of the first things I discovered when um, it took me a few times to quit drinking. I, I had to try to stop drinking like four or five times before I finally stopped. And now I haven't had a drink in uh, almost nine years. But the first time I stopped drinking, I my friend introduced me to yoga. And so I started going to a, um, a yoga class taught by this gentleman who had he had trained for years and years. He had done the whole thing where he like lived in a cave for a month and trained. And he was just a very like centered person. And he showed just like some basic techniques. So that was my, that was the first like practical technique that I learned that really helped a lot. And you don't have to be like super flexible or like this, you know, so much in Western society gets uh, twisted into a thing of like an ego thing or a, something where you're like comparing yourself or just doing it to like, you know, get a yoga butt or something like that. I think it's important that we recognize that yoga is like a, it's an instrument for knowing yourself and it's an instrument for aging. Well, it's an instrument for keeping your limbs and joints limber, you know, as you get older, so you can continue to navigate about the world. So the beautiful thing about yoga is that inherent in the practice is this mental aspect, you know, the, the poses that you are, are, achieving are difficult and you hold them for a certain amount of time so it's going to like challenge the body which kicks in the mind which is going to start with the mental chatter of like uh you know oh you're not good at this uh this is really hard i want to stop you know i'm hungry stop this being a hippie this is stupid what are you doing hippie what are you trying to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh that's uh not to get sidetracked but that inner critic is like a massive aspect of the mental health journey. And I'm still figuring this out. You know, all this stuff that we're talking about right now is like, this is all stuff that I'm in the process of learning myself, you know, like, so all I can do is kind of share what I've gleaned over time, but it's all, uh, it's all sort of in progress. And I'm constantly every day, I'm striving to just become a better person. Also, every day, I'm, I'm have to face my own demons and, you know, the ups and downs of life. So it's like, this is all in process. But from the the yoga, I had good results in terms of like, I noticed that I felt good afterwards, you know, if I actually did the whole class, and I, I gave it my all, my body felt good, I would get a little endorphins going. And also mentally, I was like a little bit calmer and clearer. And so that piqued my interest then into like, well, what is this meditation thing, you know, and, um, at least the way I grew up, I grew up in the Midwest, in the heart of the empire, Chicago. It's like one of the main engines of the empire. Like I always used to think like, why the hell did I, I don't know if you ever thought about this, like growing up, I always used to think, why is it that I was incarnated the way that I was, you know, why was I incarnated as a human being in the United States yeah. of America and not like a macaw somewhere in the jungles of Ecuador? I was, and I think that's an important question to ask because it yeah. helps to shed light on like what our purpose is. And, um, I personally believe that things don't happen by accident that like, you know, where we're incarnated, all that kind of stuff. My personal belief is it's part of, uh, it's like for our soul, things are put in our life because it feeds our soul in a certain kind of way so that we can achieve a higher state of consciousness. I kind of think of life as like, are you sure a fish didn't fuck a monkey? And now that's why we're here. By mistake. <laughs> no, I are think you it, sure though? I think it was a pangolin that, that <laughs> fucked a bat. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure <laughs> or a, a rac, it was a raccoon dog. It had something to do a with raccoon, raccoon dogs. Dog. <laughs> Those pesky little raccoon dogs. They're always starting pandemics. They're always just, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, uh, 
to answer your question about like, it, it's natural for it to be difficult to break into meditation. And one of the number one things is that people have a tendency to put rules on themselves and put limitations on themselves. So I always tell folks like, don't, there are no rules for how you best meditate. You are going to meditate in a way that makes sense for you, depending on all the different aspects that make you unique. And so like a, a certain process that was, you know, designed by a certain person at a certain time, it might not be the right one for you. And I find that that's a major obstacle or impediment to a lot of people going deeper into meditation is they feel like, oh, I'm not doing this right. Or uh, I don't, you know, for example, people always say like, I have racing thoughts when I meditate. And my answer is like, of course you do. You know, like it's completely natural to have racing thoughts all the time, including while we meditate. It's like so much of life, it's not what actually occurs, but how you deal with it. And so in meditation with the racing thoughts, a technique that has helped me a lot is I like to use visualization and I visualize the thoughts as clouds passing in the sky. And so it's completely natural, just like clouds passing in the sky, but it's also not permanent. Like the cloud moves across the sky and eventually it moves out of your field of vision in the same way these thoughts, you know, and sometimes you have thoughts that keep coming up over and over again. It's okay. You can just keep visualizing clouds and just allowing that thought to float across the sky of your psyche uh, until eventually it's, it's no longer prominent. Um, so I just think that the number one thing is to not put rules and impediments on yourself. Uh, a lot of people get tripped up with the whole like, oh, am I supposed to sit like full lotus or whatever? I still can't do the full lotus position, oh, yeah. you know, I, I can do the half lotus. <laughs> but, you know, you can also meditate lying down. You can meditate walking. You can even I believe you can even meditate while you're like running or working out. You know, it's it's uh, for me, it has to do with your breathing and your focus. So like that's that to me is the crux of what meditation is, is paying a lot of attention to your breath, kind of like watching and observing your breath, like bearing witness to your breath. And then by extension, you're bearing witness to your very existence. And so, you know, it's that, I believe that there's an Alan Watts, Alan Watts quote where he's like, you know, what is, what happens when I'm aware of the me that is aware of the me that is aware of the me? It's like, you start to think about, you start to bear witness to yourself. And for me, that really opens up a lot of space because it's all of a sudden it's like, it's mis it's mysterious and it's kind of cool you know like what is that force that is bearing witness to you bearing witness to yourself meditating it's it's an i find it full of energy when i when i dive into that it it fills me with energy and vitality and um mm. the other nice thing that i've discovered through meditation is that it's a positive cycle because the deeper you go the better it feels for me. Like it opens up, I guess you could call it Kundalini energy, or there's a bunch of ways you could talk about it. But for me, like when I get into a deep state, I feel physically blissful. Like I feel physical energy running up and down my spine. And I feel physically as though there's no boundary between myself and the world, which is incredibly Whoa. cathartic, you know, because we're mm. so used to always operating within the boundaries of our perceived selves. And when we can let go of that boundary, that boundary dissolves, perhaps listeners maybe can relate during like psychedelic states. This has perhaps happened to people. Um, but that to me is like, it fills up your battery and then it gives positive reinforcement to encourage you to continue practicing. 
because you feel like that's actually something I felt. I experienced that, you know, like I, I know that that's real because I experienced that. So, and, and it's like, um, especially like with these lower vibration, um, psychotropic things, they will never create, <coughs> they will never create the same, let's, let's say buzz or blissful feeling as, as your own, uh, you know, as your own mind can, you know? So I think it's, it's, it's awesome that to, to be able to achieve that. And it's, it's kind of giving me inspiration to maybe try a little bit harder at it, you know? Um, because I, I also have, I, I, I've, I've actually, I'm waiting on test results now. I did a, a DNA test that tests for specific genes that relate to addiction um depression and uh neurodegeneration neurodegenerative things so they have to, it has to do with the dopamine receptors basically dopamine serotonin and a few other things really re obviously related to neuro neurochemistry so i'm actually um fr from understanding my other genetics that i've looked at i my idea is that I um, break down dopamine quite fast because that the enzyme that breaks down dopamine, it's fully functional per se in me. And um, for example, my wife, she it's she's got a fifty percent um, uh, polymorphism. Where in folks like that, they they break down estrogen and, and dopamine and certain other uh, chemicals and hormones more slowly. That can have issues with itself. So to be able to break down dopamine very fast means you um, now have a, a lack of dopamine. And when mm. you have a lack of dopamine, that leads to thrill-seeking behavior, you know, fear-seeking, adventure-seeking, um, uh, anything that raises dopamine. So it could be like other other stuff like drugs and f driving fast cars. And I actually I have one friend that is into all of that stuff uh, mm. And he's like a thrill seeker, adventure seeker, almost to the point of putting himself and once us in danger mm. um, when we're camping. So I would love to like test his genes, as, and I, I'm I'm almost betting that he, will, him, and me will have similar sort of you know uh, profiles, right? And I, I've always had an addictive personality, I believe. And when you say something runs in the family, like a certain trait like that, I believe it's. A lot of it has to do with like certain just genetic variations that basically we inherit from our parents. And over time, when, when the, the lineage gets mixed down the line, different kids, you get a mixture of other genes. So you have different predispositions and vulnerabilities that manifest so that those risk profiles change down the lineages as the kids um, go down, you know, the, the family tree. But um, yeah. it, um, I really... <laughs> And I had a, a an osteopath that was, I was working with. She was highly recommending me to do things like embodiment practices, like qigong or tai chi, just mm. to kind of tame this. I don't know if if you want to call it the cunnilingus energy or whatever you you're calling it there. Um, oh, the kundalini. Like, was that? Did you say that? <laughs> I swear to God, I, I am an adult. I am a fully grown adult. I just. I, <laughs> I had to throw a that joke in there. I am a fully grown was, man. So. That was very subtle. Well done. Uh, I'm, not I'm not 13 years old, guys. I swear to God. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really like I'm hoping in after this big project that I was telling about sort of gets released i'm hoping to you know be able to like just spend a few weeks spend an hour a day just to kind of focus just harness this energy so i'm not looking for outward ways to you know tame it if if that makes sense yeah for sure um and i would say don't even necessarily put the pressure of an hour if you're speaking about like developing your meditation practice just start and I mean this seriously, start at like three minutes and then move to five minutes of like actual meditation, like what, what an intentional meditation type practice. Um, I think that's all it takes to get started. Mm -hmm. And one thing, you know, I like things to be simple. So for me, a very simple practice is you just take as deep a breath as you possibly can. And it, it does help to be sitting up straight for this one. Um, you take as deep a breath as you possibly can and really like allow your diaphragm to expand and your, you know, you really let your stomach get big in you. And then when you feel like you can't take in any more, you take in a tiny bit, little more, hold that for a couple beats and then exhale slowly. And same thing where you exhale completely and entirely. So it's like, a, it's a nice, slow kind of gradual process exhale entirely until you have nothing left to exhale and then exhale a tiny little bit more hold that a couple beats and then repeat so all you're doing is breathing but it's intentional breath and you know you can experiment with breathing in through your nose and breathing out through your mouth um, but again i just encourage people not to be dogmatic about anything and kind of listen to their own body and and follow your what your body is telling you like for the podcast, I always say that I use my passion as my compass. When I'm not sure what to do an episode about, I just think about well, what is exciting me right now. What do I find interesting? Same way with meditation, like follow what your body is telling you because certain things are going to make more sense for your physiology than for others. Um, so yeah, we can, and we can talk more about this off mic, get into the nitty gritty details of it, but yeah. I'm just, I'm such a believer in, um, uh, because of my own personal experience, you know, I, uh, we, you can't teach anybody anything people learn through their own personal experience and through my own personal experience it's been the meditation practice which has really like allowed me to um pull myself out of of my depression you know and even though i still go i still ex experience it from time to time it's not as dire because i know even when i'm deep in it that i know in the back of my mind that i have the tools to pull myself out of it and the beautiful thing about the meditation and the breathing is that it's like there's no external factors there. It's all you can do it within your own self. Um, mm -hmm. I have a quick question for you about the sure. dopamine. Mm -hmm. I've heard people say that dopamine is different from like serotonin or oxytocin in that the body cannot produce it itself. Is that true? Or can the body, is the body able to produce its own dopamine? Um yeah i believe so i i think <clears throat> i think um i read somewhere that about 90 percent of the serotonin gets synthesized in the gut by the microorganisms in the gut so um so folks that have like um serotonin based depression where you you run not like not like someone goes to a, a doctor and they just slap them on an SSRI, but some, some practitioners would do like there's proxy markers for serotonin and dopamine and some other stuff. Um, so you can, you can see on a, on like a urine test, 
proxy markers, if they're low, it means that there may be a low serotonin production. And those people, if you correlate a low serotonin level with gut dysbiosis, like the gut is infected or some other stuff is going on, like the beneficial bacteria are very low, you could try giving a serotonin precursor like 5-HTP, 5-hydroxytryptophan, mm-hmm. um, and or or, or just um, uh, tryptophan, the amino acid, on an empty stomach, for example, and see if that actually helps. And increasing the serotonin can help some folks, which was the initial premise behind the SSRI drugs, you know. But in terms of dopamine, I'm pretty sure it's it's um, synthesized by uh, from phenylalanine is the amino acid which is then turned into tyrosine i believe and then to l-dopa and then it's synthesized to dopamine so there's mm. a series of enzymes that synthesize that i'm pretty sure it's it it's it's all done that way okay yeah i mean i'm i'm inclined to believe that i think our bodies are such incredible machines that i'm inclined to believe that we can produce our own if if we're given the proper tools and it's uh, just it's it's more for example there's um there's a certain bacteria like clostridia species that they can inhibit an enzyme called dopamine for example dbh dopamine beta hydroxylase that one is i believe it was responsible to convert dopamine into norepinephrine now it, it causes too little norepinephrine when 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 so basically this they create this um chemical that gets jammed into the DBH enzyme that causes the enzyme to be inactivated permanently. And then um, there's a buildup of dopamine, not enough norepinephrine that can cause a bunch of issues because dopamine is quite a reactive molecule. So Mm. crap can happen. And we are so, we're almost at the mercy of the environment when it comes, like I love what you said earlier that, um, you know, Mental health is the foundation. And uh, when you say the word inextricably bound, you know, um, the physical body and the, 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 the mind, this is, again, something like I in my book on autism, I, I believe I, I said something along the lines of the mind and body are inextricably connected. So you, 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 we're very much on the same wavelength with some of the language we use even, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, if someone has like a gut dysfunction of some sort, uh, certain food uh, foods or vitamin deficiencies, that can lead to imbalances that cause certain chemicals to be not not enough of or to, to be too much of, and that can cause imbalances. And I, I believe some people's depression is genuinely due to like just biochemical stuff and not necessarily life events going on, you know, or genetic factors exacerbated by environmental dietary factors yeah i love that i love uh i really appreciate that about your your worldview is it's very solution oriented and it's very much like taking the power back within our own control you know certainly you know as i said a lot of us have had difficult childhoods a lot of us have experienced trauma and stuff like that and shit shit happens in life you know um i just had a break in in my apartment on top of everything else that happened my are you serious got, yeah my apartment got broken into and a bunch mm. of shit got trashed um but you know Whoa. i'm i'm still here and somehow it's like thank heaven for small blessings the my podcasting stuff was untouched so um i you know it's like I could focus on the fact that a bunch of my shit got trashed or I could focus on the fact that my podcasting stuff with all with all my uh, 
you know, all the stuff I've worked so hard on is, was kind of magically untouched. So it's yeah, like, well. but yeah, so shit happens in life, but I love the fact that you bring it back to like what you can control, which is for example, like your diet and, you know, and I, I just think that's so powerful and important uh, rather than it's like, there's all sorts of different external tools you can use to enhance or perceived enhance, you know, with, with all like the SSRIs and everything that's being dispensed like Pez candy, but how yeah. much of that could be, mm -hmm. uh, how much of that could, could be actually like better reinforced through the food that you take in and the supplements that you take in that are oh, you know, yeah. not toxic to your body. So I just think it's so important to constantly bring things back to the solution oriented Yeah. in the independent media. You know, a lot of us are very tuned in to like all the shit that's going on in the world. And I believe one thread that connects a lot of us is that really what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand the world better. We're trying to shed light on the world so that we can navigate it better. And that's very important. It's critical to understand kind of what we're up against and what we're dealing with. But the pitfall of that is that you can then get kind of lost in the negativity in the shit. Exactly. And, you know, like speaking of like you're spending all day watching Yuval Noah Harari clips and not spending any time <laughs> meditating. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that, that's going to impact your psyche negatively, too. So it's I like, think that's <laughs> what got me into a little bit of a depression, bro, that, that, that I was mentioning earlier. Yeah, way too much into that stuff, and I, I've I've spoken about this before. Um, after I was on Charlie Robinson's podcast there, I think it was late November, early December, and we only talked about solutions. And um, it's just since then I've just been focusing much more on solutions, and I've been so much happier, bro. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's important. And it's important, like to inspire others too. you know, because it's, if you have, a, when people really start working together on something, it's, uh, it's incredible what we can accomplish. There are oh, no yeah. limitations to what we can accomplish. And we do have the tools to, to strive, we have the tools to create parallel societies, you know, humans have done it for 1000s of years, we do we, we know how to live well together. We know how to be fair towards one another. We know how to barter. We know how to create alternate systems of value. You know, we it's we know how to do it. It's a matter of like remembering. And that is tied in. Anarchy is the default. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Because I'm I mean, it just translates to no rulers is what it translates to. So and um, I'm I'm listening to two books right now on the uh, conquest of the Aztec Empire and the conquest of the Incan Empire, and um, it's for an, another project that I'm working on. In fact, uh, one of my uh, skits for the podcast is going to be like a story where I'm kind of going to create like an alternate history, alternate reality um, involving the Incans. I won't give too much away, but um, but what comes through listening to these histories is that like. In a way, it makes it even more tragic than, you know, it's I'd already had a sense of like, this is this is going to be a tragic story of how these empires were subjugated. But learning about the subjugation that was happening internally in both empires before the conquistadors arrived, really that like what we call civilization. And this is why I consider myself a, I'm proud to be a barbarian, because what we consider civilization is really just the 
uh, division of class. It's like dividing people into different classes where certain classes have more rights and privileges than others. And then there's like a, a, a class that just gets the shit out of the stick. And, you know, there's all these different uh, sophisticated ways of rationalizing this, like in the caste system, for example, where some, you know, oh, this is your karma or in the future, they're going to, what they're going to try to manifest, which we're not going to let them, but they're, they're, the vision they have is like, oh, well, you don't have the chip implanted in your brain. So therefore now you're part of a lower caste because you don't have the same capacities we do. My response to that is like, have fun with the bugs because now you have like a buggy ass piece of hardware in your brain and that's, you know, it's one yeah. thing when you have to like restart your phone because your phone is, is like kirking out. It's going to be another yeah. when the chip in your head breaks down and you're like, you know, so have fun with that. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that is uh, that's basically it comes down to the fact that I believe I agree with you. Anarchy is the default and we know how to exist in a good way on this planet. And it's just a matter of remembering how and also believing in one another and believing in ourselves so it's like in order to bring a dream to reality there are there's tangible aspects of it you know you have to like learn certain skills you might have to get certain equipment to make things happen but underpinning all of that and it's ties in with how mental health is the foundation is the belief that you can achieve it is the foundation and so i just the solution orientation is so critical because it inspires us, it connects us, it bonds us, and it imbues us with a belief that we can do it. We can make this happen, you know? I love your attitude, bro. Absolutely. That's why I like resonate so much with you. Like this, this is, I, and lately I've been more positive, but I've had, it, it has to do with my, my upbringing and stuff. I've, I've, I've tended to be quite self-critical and critical of others for, you know, for the last three decades and even like even now I'm still at times struggling with um, just having conversations in my head with with people that you know something a conversation didn't go my way or the right way or or there was some slight conflict or whatever um, and I'm just struggling to I love what you what you say you know it's people learn by doing and i i've been very often like uh, i've had issues with letting go of you know it, it could be even be with like a like a family member or a friend i'm trying to help with their help uh, with their health um and like i'm giving them like advice and they're just like being stupid and i'm like i just have to it's not my kid it's not my wife you know it's the, the, my kid, my wife, and my dog. These are like my immediate family members that I, I have sort of some direct influence over. So, and I can help them if if I deem necessary. But anybody outside of that, I can offer advice, or I can wait for them to ask for advice. But even if they ask for advice, I I give the advice and um, or I offer some help. If they don't want it, I should be very gracious in saying that is their choice and it's like i was reading this morning i was um in my morning reading time i just love reading various different kinds of books i have this book on stoic philosophy and mm. i forgot exactly what the snippet was but it, it had something to do with if you like if you were let's say you're an anarchist and you believe 
you deserve your freedom and nobody can tell you anything. Um, as if you're a true anarchist, you should be able to say, well, if I don't want to be told what to do, if I want to make my own choices, then anybody else should be afforded that same right and privilege. So, you know, it, it's stuff I'm, I've been reflecting on. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to transcend this shit and just basically get my head out of other people's affairs. It's, you know, it almost, it could be the savior complex. I've been sort of reflecting on that where, you know, the savior complex when you're trying to fix the world and your own fucking backyard is a mess, you know? So what, what's your thoughts on that? You, you don't seem to have that, but did you ever experience it? Any, any sort of um, reflections on that? Yeah, I appreciate you asking me that. I was actually going to segue into a similar topic because I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, so just a little bit of backstory that I've experienced. A lot of the elders in my family have passed on just in the past year, uh, including both of my parents. And I, you know, I had to come to terms very early in the COVID project that these the people I loved so much weren't listening to me when I would voice my concerns and give them some reading and just even try to engage with like, you know, I'm talking, obviously I'm talking about the injection. And I really tried very hard to convince those that I loved to, to you know, to not get it. You know, I, I would use different tactics, but I was unsuccessful and uh, pretty much just kind of seen as like, as wacky Raven, just with my ideas. And, and then I had to watch people that I love so deeply, I had to watch their health decline. And then I, I had to watch them pass, you know, and this is like deeply wounding experience. And so like everything, you have to look at the lesson that it gives. And um, that's been the, the one of the major lessons has been coming to terms with the fact that you have to allow people grace to make decisions, even when you know in your heart that that decision is going to hurt them. Because if you try to just like dig in your heels and battle, all you're going to do is create animosity. You know, I could have, I could have created a dynamic where I wasn't even talking to my family and then they, and then they patent that would have been it. You know, I, I can't do that. It's just not in, it's not my way of being. So I just basically accepted, I hope for the best. Um, and, 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 you know, I just, stayed i maintained that closeness up until the very end and i did but it's hard to talk about and that's why i'm tripping over yeah. my words is because yeah. it's a very difficult thing to yeah. come to terms with that what you're describing when you yeah. know something deep in your heart and then you tr you want to share that with people that you love and they reject that and then make decisions that you know deep in your heart are, are hurtful to them that's a very difficult thing to process. And I don't think there's any easy ways of answering it. Um, yeah. I do think that one aspect that's important is the whole knowing enough to know that you don't know everything. So I like to always remind myself of that, that like, I'm also fallible. I don't have, I'm not omniscient. I don't have all the answers. You know, I, I believe that our intuitions are very strong and then you can back up your intuition with research and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you, I don't know, everything and i don't know 100 percent. i don't have that kind of power in this reality <laughs> mm -hmm. and so i think that aspect is important and just kind of focusing on what makes people beautiful even when they're making bad decisions even when they're being idiots focusing on that everyone has that divine spark within them um 
the the solar spark that thing that imbues everything with life you know we we can always focus on that and just take a step back and realize that uh, the only way that people can learn is through their own personal experience and the the hard part about that is that sometimes that involves you know very dire consequences that people's personal experience because of decisions has to involve very dire consequences and uh but yeah like you said you can focus on your immediate environment i've been trying to take a step back from you know i said at the beginning that my parents always used to say you want to leave the world a better place than how you found it i that's like one of my guiding principles but i've had to take a step back from thinking that i can somehow save the world you know i that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to engage with the people that are in my world. And I think that's the power of like expanding your world out because, you know, now you and I are having this conversation across the ocean. We're connecting the thoughts that you imbue in me. I'm going to be sharing with others. And that way we can make our worlds a lot bigger, but we can't, if we, if we put it on ourselves to save the world or even save another person like that, save another person, we're just going to, we're going to drive ourselves mad and we're going to become resentful and bitter. And that I think is like the real, one of the main obstacles in the truth or community and the independent media in general is just trying to rise above the bitterness and the resentment at the fact that, you know, as of now, there's still a lot of people that are just not awake to the things that we discuss every day on our shows. Yeah. But, but yeah. So you said everyone has uh, the divine spark. You don't believe the stuff about NPCs and whatnot, do you? Uh, the NPCs. So do you mean like, I know of the concept of NPCs that, um, but so that some people don't have the divine spark. Other people don't have a soul or you know non-player characters like out of a game so some folks think it could be as few as one to five percent or ten to five ten to fifteen percent of the people that you meet are actually like a have a, a truly you know a soul a divine spark you don't believe that kind of stuff i i i take it yeah correct um i I believe that some people make decisions that render themselves into NPCs. So mm -hmm. if you just are someone that chooses to just go along with the flow and not ask questions and remain willfully ignorant of things, um, you make yourself into an NPC, which I suppose has certain, I don't think there's any benefits to that type of life, but I guess depending on what, what you want, if you just want to not be bothered and you know, just live out your days that maybe people perceive some benefit to turning themselves into NPCs. But I would, my belief is that uh, everyone does have the divine spark. It's just that some people make decisions to render themselves um, like non-consequential in the greater reality. And I just find that uh, I just, it's, that's, this is another tricky thing too, is having compassion for people without being uh, patronizing. So I don't want to yeah. be like, I don't want to be like, oh, I feel bad for those. It's just like, that's not me. And um, folks like that who choose to be ignorant are obviously not going to want to listen to what I have to say. And uh, when when people check out my podcast, it's like a real quick litmus test to find out if, if they're kind <laughs> of more of that MPC mentality, because some people will hear a couple episodes and never talk to me again. And it's yeah. like, all right, well, and that's that. And, 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 the important thing about that is that they will never talk to me again. The people that 
you know, a lot of people disagree with what I have to say, and that's great because I want to be able to have dialogue and speak with people. You know, I can probably learn something too over here, but if you don't even want to ask questions or dialogue with the person or idea that you're don't want to face, then that's where that willful ignorance comes in. And then it's the whole, if you're not, if you don't have a plan, you become a part of someone else's plan. Mm. And, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to be a part of, of anybody else's plan, much less the, the parasitic class. So. Absolutely, bro. <laughs> like, I mean, that that's the anarchist ethos, you know, it's like, I, I, you, you just, you just want to make your own decisions. You want to live your own life. You want to choose what to do with your time, your, your money, your resources. And, you know, no, nobody, it's nobody's business to meddle in your affairs. You can share what you do. Uh, you can do anything you want to do. You know, if, if you know, some people that they, they want to show, show their entire life <clears throat> on Facebook or Instagram, that's one thing, but to have a phone that's constantly spying on you now, mm -hmm. some rights are being infringed, you know, that's not okay. Yeah. And, and even worse than that, it's like, yeah, that's, that's a right that you actually have that you're voluntarily giving up. Yeah. And so much of, of the power dynamic at play right now is like, it's in training people to be meek and subservient. I remember from the jump with the, in the US, there's the TSA, which uh, started after the 9-11 the uh, inside job. <laughs> and that, you know, now, when you go through the airport, you have to like take off your shoes and take off your belt and all your stuff gets x-rayed and they, they paw through all your stuff. And it, it was so clear to me from the jump that this is like conditioning. It's conditioning people to give up their rights like that. And it's all always, you know, it's such an old game. It's like always in the name of supposedly for your safety or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, that's why it's important to have principles because then when you're tempted to like, I don't know. And it's, you know, I, I go on planes and stuff like that. So it's not like I, I don't ever fly, but I actually try to have conversations like as much as possible without getting arrested. I try to have conversations with the agents and I've had some pretty interesting ones where they've even acknowledged to me that like, yeah, this is pretty messed up. This doesn't seem like the right thing to do. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's like, and just connecting like that with people, it's very important. Um, but, but yeah, so I, uh, I did want to ask you another question about the, um, sure. we talked about this a little bit off mic about, uh, so I know that I'm not the only one that has experienced a lot of loss and that is continuing to experience loss as, you know, uh, we all know the, the numbers that the all cause mortality is way up and a lot of our elders and people from all ages, but especially elders are dying in my mind before their time. You know, I was supposed to move in with my dad this month, actually. We were supposed to move in together because my mom passed away first. So my dad was uh, alone and his lease was gonna run out and we were gonna move in together. And I was like really looking forward to that. And that was gonna be a chance for us to connect in his golden years. And how old were they, if you don't mind um, asking? My dad was 71 and my mom was 70. And um, they did have, they had like good health and then their health declined rapidly after the injection. So they, they unfortunately were, they were definitely doubled. And then I think they got the booster, but didn't tell me because I was begging them not to get the booster. And then one day they stopped talking about the booster and it was, I, I believe it was the booster that ended up um, ending their lives prematurely. And so, so what do you do with that? You know, like, and I, I, this is a bit of a rhetorical question. I'm figuring yeah. this out myself, but like yeah. when it becomes so personal, and this feels like 
it it it's it is an attack and it's like a personal attack and it's taking these years away from people that we love and taking years of being able to connect and bond you know like all those conversations i still like i'm for the rest of my life now when i'm reading a book i'm always going to think like oh i can't wait to talk to my dad about this and now i don't have a chance to talk to him in this reality anymore yeah i do want to say that i do f- still feel a connection with my parents and my ancestors uh it's but it's on a different realm and it's it's a different type of connection it goes without saying it's not we're not sitting at the dinner table in this reality anymore discussing a book it's more in deep meditation i'll be able to get a sense of their energy and i can communicate with them and i believe that they are uh uh, assisting me from from the beyond. That's my personal belief. So it's not that I don't have any relationship with them, but the relationship is completely changed. And what do we do with that? Like, so the first thing as a human, it's like you you feel this anger, this righteous indignation is the the first feeling that you get. And I think that it's natural to feel that way. And but it's like, I just how do you kind of like make right on how do you like avenge your loved one's early demise you know like how do you go about doing that there's i believe a lot of it is the information battle and being a source of light elucidating the the darkness in the world um but it's just like it's hard to have to continue to engage in a system that killed your parents i guess is what it boils down to yeah bro it's like Okay, we're back after some technical difficulties. Um, so as I was saying, for me, what one of the major things that got me into natural health was seeing my grandmother deteriorate greatly in the last years of her life, and just what the doctors were, the butchers that facilitated this. And to be honest with you, just to kind of answer your, I know your question was somewhat rhetorical, and I don't think there's there can be an answer for something like this. Um, <clears throat> um. I definitely was angry and frustrated and stuff like that, but it's not a productive emotion. And it's not, it's like how that say that, that saying goes, we don't pay, we don't pay it back. We pay it forward. So I feel like, and, and I, I'm talking about not paying it back like vengeance. That's another unproductive thing. I'm talking about to, to make, the world a better place we cannot right the wrongs of the past we cannot make amends with you know in the past uh, things that happened in the past but we can do is change our ways or be the, the the be creative be the change in the world that we wish we had seen at the time so for example with this detox course i i've told you about this is the this is the information I wish I wish I had five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago or when I was 18, you know. So I'm, I, I said to myself at one point, I want, pe- pe- I want people to be able to prevent these quote-unquote diseases of aging, which are, which are diseases of fucking sy- systemic poisoning of the population. You know? Yes. Facilitated yep. by a bunch of fucking... As one one dude I um, interviewed, um, Jahan Satour, the men in the butcher coats, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Very aptly said. Yes. Very astute observation. So I feel like we we have to 
not necessarily dwell on the past, not focus on the future, but take positive actions today. And this goes back to the solutions talk, solutions focus we we're talking about, and just make sure the 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 things that we have control over, uh, you know, we influence them in such a way so that hopefully other people don't succumb to this. You know what I mean? So I guess. I guess maybe it's it's a it's a roundabout way of saying um or it, it's it's like uh it's my way of coping with the the, the pain because mm-hmm. again I I know for a fact that getting angry what, what are you going to do like we we're going to go burn down the a parliament building a hospital you got like there's nothing you can do like these right this these organizations they're they're smart like they're decentralized it's like a hydra with you know an infinite amount of heads so the the solution it's like they 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 talk about in the kibalion you know if if you're in a particular plane you have the sort of rhythm uh, and polarity so you, you swing from like the the bliss to the agony or the hellish uh pain and suffering the astute master vibrates out of it to a new level not i'm not saying i'm an astute master or I know mm. how to do that or I fully even comprehend what the hell they're talking about. But mm. I think it's wor- it's worthy of reflection on that to see how can we transcend this because at the at the end of the day, what is what seems at least in my opinion, what seems to be quite clear is this is not a just a a, a one shot and and you're out of here experience. It seems like this is a realm we, we keep coming back for however many lifetimes. So we we're not we're not really fully truly aware of what the purpose of everything here is. And we, 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 we've no idea what the things that are happening right now, what, what kind of the 10 steps ahead, 10 lifetimes ahead, thousands of years ahead is. So um, we have, we almost have to play it by ear and do our best uh, with, with, with the tools we have in the current moment. That's brilliant, man. I really like what you said. I really like the even the idea of don't pay it back, pay it forward, moving forward, and uh, and also the the vibrating at a different frequency. That is really what we're talking about when we talk about creating parallel systems and creating ways of uh, creating ways of wealth, creating ways of health, creating communities that are outside the systemic poisoning. <laughs> Uh, that that is literally vibrating at a different frequency, and that's also your point about how we we don't have the perspective to see things from the ultimate reality. You know, kind of like when something happens in life, shit happens, and it's easy to be like, "Oh, woe is me, shit happened." But oftentimes, after a couple years, sometimes even a few months you have that bird's eye view and you look at the occurrence that you were so upset about at the time. And you're like, Oh, well, thank, thankfully that happened because this and this and that wouldn't happen without that, you know? Exactly. And so holding fast to that awareness, even when you're in the midst of it, that's really like where character is forged and it's like where, where you're really tested. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I like, I like that a lot. Um, it's hard. I'm sure it must be very difficult for many people with that have had to go through the suffering and, you know, I, I'm not in any way, shape or form excusing it. You know, these people are, I believe, should should pay pay a very high price 
for for what they're doing to 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 humanity and what they've done and continue to do you know um and i believe that they will um i believe yeah. in the uh how when you the idea of hell is not necessarily like this fire and brimstone place where you get condemned to but rather it is a place where you are you drive yourself to through your actions and through your orientation on earth so yeah. i do believe that the these people who are puppeteering this nightmare system they will have to face it in in their own time it, it might not be until the next reality but they are not going to manifest themselves in a heavenly reality you know it's just not it's not going to be that way it, they're they're borrowing from future bliss to have power now so they're borrowing this but when it runs its course it's like um, they they're going way back down to square one in terms of you know yeah if we can imagine a all the infinite planes and at the end is you know the all these guys are going way back down to fucking i don't even i don't even want to insult like grains of sand <laughs> that kind of sort of rudimentary consciousness but that that's sort of an analogy of like down to the complexity of like the the most basic particle you know that's kind of the direction they're they're gonna they're gonna rise up and then fall down that kind of way uh really quick before you get to the final question emmanuel swedenborg i, I believe it was in the book uh, heaven and hell he talks about how people who spend their lives in covert activities and uh, they spend their lives, they, they find their, their success through deception, lies, misleading, all that kind of shit, the intelligence agency, all that bullshit, that he had a vision that when these folks pass on to the next realm, what they are driven to by their own hearts, their own self is a reality where he saw they were in windowless rooms, underground windowless rooms, huddled in corners, whispering to one another, you know? Because mm-hmm. that is how they lived. That that's where their heart was. So that when they went to the next realm, they went to where their heart drove them. And uh, you know, I, I, so I just and it, it's important to also reiterate that it's not necessarily about vengeance. It's about like universal karmic laws and how yeah, you can't you. I, I call it the adversary, that the force mm-hmm. of par- parasitism that uh, creates destabilizes situations and leeches uh, energy in the form of like negative emotions and stuff like that for their own immediate gain. You can't do that without offending the natural order, the karmic order of things. So it's like, Mm. it's not just like, it's not my job to save the world. It's not my job to bring these people to justice myself, but the universe, the way of things will take care of that. And then in the meantime, I just have to always, like you said, uh, pay it forward and yeah, really like live my life, allow it to be fuel. You know, like the pain I feel um, is fuel that drives me in, you know, especially in those times where I'm, I'm feeling less than great or want to give up. It's like I can harness this energy of the feeling of hopelessness that I experienced watching my parents' health deteriorate is like now it's fuel for me to uh, inspire others to maintain hope and also give practical tangible ideas and and facts and advice to help people live fully so 
Yeah, bro, I like that. You know, again, again, it's one of those things where I'm truly at a loss for words. You know, it's I, I, I have no idea what to say. I, I just remember, I, I literally just came to me. There was a story of the Buddha. This, this uh, uh, young mom, she lost her, her baby, and uh, she was really distraught. And they told her, you know, go. The Buddha was still alive at the time, and they said, go visit the Buddha. He will, he will help you through this. And she she explained everything to him and he listened very compassionately and he gave her a task she said go and find me a mustard seed from a house or a home that has never had anyone die and she went and the, to make a a long story short she went to from house to house to house and she heard story after story about they you know just regular humans experiencing the the pain and the sorrow of existence in this realm you know parents kids relatives uncles aunts brothers sisters and she heard so many of these stories that i forget the end of the story but she she felt such deep compassion. I, I believe the end of the story was that she felt such deep compassion from hearing all these stories, so much empathy that she went back to the Buddha and, and this became a disciple or a student of his to learn, mm -hmm. you know, how to mm -hmm. I suppose transcend some of this stuff, which I'm not sure most of it, I'm not sure all of it can be transcended, but um, there's definitely a lot of teachings there that can, can help one. Yeah, totally. Yeah, facing things uh, for what they really are and being uh, being able and allowing yourself to sit with discomfort and not immediately jumping to these like pat pat answers of like, oh, I'll, you know, like the the degradation of language, for example, like, yeah, don't just talk about uh, transcending or, or being mindful, but really like allow yourself to, to sit with what is actually going on at every given moment that there's so yeah. much richness there. So. Sure, brother, for sure. Well, let me let me take it to the solution stock question. So we 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 always like to end on a positive note with this question. So, bro, Raven, what are you doing that others can do also to increase their freedom, self reliance, autonomy, and/or resilience to the challenges that we face this decade and beyond? Nice, easy question to, to end things <laughs> off. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's see. I would. So I'm going to go with what my, my, my initial, my gut reaction was to that question. Uh, my gut reaction was that I'm keeping my physical and mental and spiritual self in the best possible shape that I can. And so that includes like exercising regularly. It includes like constantly testing my limits physically, um, you know, like integrating exercises. Like I'm just, I'm going to start now with like kettlebells and stuff like that, like <clears throat> maintaining a strong body so that you can also then have that strong mind and the energy and the stamina that's required for whatever it is that's coming. I say on my podcast all the time, strap in, strap up and stay centered because uh, we are, that we're in for some 
some ac action. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but there's some action coming. And so we want to make sure that I want to make sure that I'm uh, strong enough to be able to like be there for my community, for my loved ones and for myself. So keep keeping a strong physical body always, uh, again, knowing enough to know that I don't know everything and always maintaining an open mind. So that is hard work because it's easy to get into echo chambers and the truth or community and the independent media, very easy to start getting into echo chamber situation where you're only consuming media that reaffirms your own biases. You're cutting off anything that's inconvenient to you or that you don't want to look at. So it's like hygiene. So I'm constantly having to remind myself, like you don't actually know everything and you have to listen to other ideas and be open to other ways of thought. And so that's um, keeping that flexibility of mind, I think is crucial. And mm. that also ties in with like being able to dialogue with everybody. I don't want to set limitations on myself with who I can dialogue with, who I can learn from. I wanna maintain so open while still being grounded in myself and my beliefs that I can engage in dialogue with anybody about anything. So I would say strong, uh, healthy body, flexible mind. And then as we spoke about before, for me, it's maintaining my meditation practice for my emotional and spiritual well-being as well. Love that, bro. It, it will be very funny if nothing happens the rest of the decade. That was, that was <laughs> yeah. the rest of it. And then like uh, uh, 2030 comes and then Agenda 2030 was all about just like, oh, we're just trying to clean up the environment and all these conspiracy people, all the normies would be like, you bunch of fucking retards. Well, you, you've been going on about for the last 10 years, you fucking retards. We just, all of us got free electric cars and like, it's totally cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> not not a single soul has been microchipped. You idiots. That'd be hilarious, right? It really would. Imagine. Uh, I I wish that uh, I had any kind of faith that that, that could happen, but <laughs> I do think that uh, there's there is so much pushback against the pushback is growing all the time against the transhuman agenda, and the pendulum has a way of swinging. So you know, like I know you were speaking in jest, but it's very possible that we find ourselves. Uh, in 2030, that we have achieved some sort of parallel society, and we're all we're moving towards our own optimum health because people like yourself are spreading very important knowledge, and people are understanding how to take care of themselves in a good way. So it's like, regardless of what the agenda is for 2030, I think we can have our own agenda for 2030. Yeah, man. It's like like you said earlier. If you don't have a plan, you're gonna become part of somebody else's plan. So, you know, folks listening, you know, we we have to have a plan. And what do we? It's like what we have to have an intention for our life. What do we want to achieve? What's the work we want to do? You know, we have to, we have to figure that out and work towards it. Otherwise just coasting through life, the, the waves, the wind will take you, you know, it's like they say, um, if you don't know where you're going, any, any road will take you there. And unfortunately the current road is fucking tyranny and, you know, a bunch of other unspeakable, horrible shit. So, yeah. Time to time to actually, you know, do 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 something about that for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, uh get get to know your neighbors and be a part of your community and uh, you know, I think it's important to push back against the the culture of like snitching or it it has to do with not judging and leading by example. 
So I just think, yeah, pay it forward. Don't pay it back. And uh, I really appreciate everything you're doing to educate and optimize and illuminate. And I'm just very excited to continue speaking with you. And you're going to come on my podcast, the Barbarian Noetics podcast real soon as well. Thank you so much, bro. Appreciate that. It, it what an absolute pleasure to to you know to have met you and to to call your friend now. Um, speaking of your podcast, can you tell the listeners where they can find you on the internet, please? For sure, yeah. Uh, Barbarian Noetics. It's up on all the platforms. So wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, the Barbarian Noetics is there. And I also invite people to check out my video show that I have uh, with my co-host, Dr. Sylvie Salinger. And that's up on Rockfin, rockfin.com, R-O-K-F-I-N.com, forward slash Barbarian Yak Fest. All one word, yak like the animal. So the tagline for that one is Stomp the Great Reset. And it's myself. And I I have other interviews as well sometimes. And sometimes I'll do solo videos. But it's really a complimentary channel to my podcast. So if you like what I'm doing on my podcast and you want to dive in and and hear more perspectives on the, the topics and the the video show is a little bit more focused on like current events, but really trying to view things from a, a different perspective, from a positive perspective, and always bring it back to keeping that open mind and moving towards solutions. Just, I just went, I, I just <laughs> went to Rockfin, and the first comment I saw addressed to you is your questions were more interesting than his answers. I'm not. Let's just leave it at that so we don't want to, like, shit on the guest or anything. But that's fucking amazing. I love that, bro. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, building a, we're building a really awesome community there. So come check out the Rockfin and awesome. all the podcast and onward and upward. Yeah, bro, I love that. Um, I should go. I should use Rockfin more. Do they have an app, by the way? They do. Uh, oh, they do, yeah. yeah. They do have an app. Um, it's, okay. It does occasionally have, have a few bugs here and there, but I, I still appreciate uh, any sort of free speech platform. I'm, mm. I'm all about supporting the free speech platforms. Right now, I'm up on Rockfin, but I do have a goal to get up on Odyssey soon. And, um, you know, there, there's good things coming. So Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, bro. Keep, keep, keep uh, doing the good work, bro. And, you know, just uh, you, you'll be back on here. So I'm sure that the listeners enjoyed this one and we'll cover, we'll cover more. You're, you're such a hilarious dude. Maybe we can do one more humor based one. When you come back, maybe we can play some of your skits. If you, if we figure out how to play them through, through the call here, Um, I think we can just, I'm trying to not just have the solution focus, which is, obviously awesome but i'm trying to incorporate more of my personality because i had a friend uh he told me like a couple of years ago he said dude your podcast is really good but it's very serious and you're like the least fucking serious guy i know that's so weird i know um and he's like a lot of people listen to podcasts to unwind and stuff so have you thought mm. about like just letting your personality ooze through so l- lately i've been kind of letting more and more of my um, you know, I guess I was dropped on my head a little bit too much when I was a kid. So <laughs> the retardation is seeping through and people are like, oh, okay, this guy's changed. Is, is, 
is he getting like some heavy heavy metal toxicity is changing his personality or something I don't know. <laughs> hey a little bit of neurodivergence goes a long way i love yeah. it and uh yeah. yeah i would love to to come on and have a, a kind of a humor infused conversation i think laughter is absolutely essential nobody likes a person that takes themselves too seriously so i'm right we, there with you i'm just thinking out loud here but we could take like the top top 10 15 figures that are part of the great reset you know like kill gates clown schwab all these other guys and just yeah. like psychoanalyze them say who hurt them like okay bill gates probably his uncle touched him this guy you know his his mom didn't hug him or something like that and figure out i don't know just throwing ideas sure. out there you know yeah what what did beagles do to tony fauci to create such <laughs> anger against yeah dude like dude come on like who doesn't like dogs like who hurt you bro Tony. He was he was bit by a beagle puppy as a baby, and he's just held on to that grudge his whole life. Yeah, man, little, <laughs> little prick. It's always these guys with the Napoleon complex, bro. Anyway, always. Anyway, Raven, once again, bro, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, too. Can't, uh, looking forward to speaking with you again soon.